Hello and welcome to Plus One to Gaming. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric. And joining us as always are good friends, Billy and Mark. Hey guys. What is happening? So today we're going to be talking about character creation. This is a really close topic to our hearts because there's so many different ways to slice it. But today we wanted to just share our different perspectives, different approaches on how we how we create our characters so that you can take away something for your tables, your games, and just kind of level up that experience. So Eric, do you want to kind of give us a little bit of a rundown on your general approach to character creation or maybe some of the changes you've made, some of the ways you've grown from you know when we started playing you know 10 plus years ago to the stuff we're doing today? Yeah, my character creation style has definitely grown. When we started, I was mostly my I would say that my like main experience with something like Dungeons and Dragons, like role playing games, would be World of Warcraft. So I wanted to the first character I ever made was a game that Billy ran on Roll20, and I wanted to be a rogue. And I wanted to turn invisible. I wanted double daggers. I wanted to backstab people. Uh, I wanted to play a rogue from World of Warcraft, basically. And there was no character behind it. And I'm not sure if I even had a backstory. Um, and then I found out that <laughs> you can't turn invisible. Um, you have to like sneak and can be seen anyway. You know, and all, all of the things that probably a lot of people have come into Dungeons and Dragons and realized, oh, this is you know, different from just what I'm what I'm used to. Uh, so I kind of evolved from that a little bit to more like looking at the cool mechanics. Like I, I would look at different classes that I'm like, oh, that seems neat. I want to I want to do that in a game and still mostly combat oriented, you know, making like a shadow monk because they can teleport between different shadows on the board and that seemed cool and they could punch things and and do some some crowd control and all of these things so i made a shadow monk for curse of strahd which also had almost no personality um i i feel like it took me several several generations and several characters before i realized i i, I guess like the realization i had was that if i if i make a character based on the class i'm I'm almost always going to be wanting to play another class uh, because they're all cool and they're all fun. And the more you read about it, you're like, Ooh, I want to play that. Um, so I was never really happy with like the characters I was currently playing because I was just playing classes. I wasn't playing a character. Uh, so I would always want to play another class and play a different class and, you know, on and on and on. And it, it took a while before I, I reached probably my my like current MO, which is I try to think of a character first and then figure out what class fits. And we've played games where I've even switched the class because we, you know, a new book came out and another class was like more suited for the character I was playing. And it changed zero things about the character. But it, it just gave them tools that made more sense for what they would choose. That's, I feel like that's probably close to a lot of our journeys, but that's, that's definitely mine. Yeah, I think just especially having the levels of growth over those years, kind of starting off from the very beginning and coming from a different background and perspective like MMOs and wanting to translate that somehow into your game experience. And I think for a lot of people that are coming in from video games into 
tabletop role playing because there's 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 been such a huge surge and insur- uh, insurgents there's an insurgency of role playing ta- players uh, <laughs> with, with the surge in popularity of Dungeons and Dragons people have their experience is going to be video games first right you know if if you started D and D you know f- like way long ago video games weren't as sophisticated as they are so you had to u- really use your imagination and you didn't have those types of game experiences to kind of pull from as much whereas now it's just a different landscape with what's available to us but having those kind of generations of growth where it's like first i just want to play video games in this new different setting now i want to focus on creating cool classes and and mechanic combinations for combat and then kind of like that peak of that evolution is what story can i tell with this character but i'm also curious like what's you know, as, as we've gotten to that point together, what's the next evolution from that? I mean, you can kind of trace this arc of growth, right? Once you get to that, like role playing and storytelling, and also like, we're not saying that's the best way to play or the right way to play. It's just the way that we've, our preference, our personal preferences. Some people really like tactical simulation, but if you are a role playing player and a storytelling player, storytelling type of player table, what's that next you know, what, what can you strive to, to grow to after that? I think um, if you're trying to make that transition from making a character that's, you know, like that's video game like or that's, you know, tactical or anything like that to, to making a character that is actually a character that just happens to have these skills that he could use in his toolbox. I think one of the best ways to start is to to relook at the the flaws that are uh, when you make your character like don't think about a flaw as just something you have to make like which one will have a will that'll not be that bad or anything like that because in all story making like flaws make character characters are you know a some of their flaws and that is how you create a an actual character from your pc you know like even if it's a, a character that you know you created it using the template and you didn't have a character in mind when you created this, you know, a personality in mind when you created this character, how to give them a personality is like, look at their flaws and think about like, if this is their flaws and this is their ideals, like what type of person would have those flaws and why would they have those flaws? Why would they have those ideals? And then kind of create a backstory based on those. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I would say like the transition, like that's one of the easier ways to make, your character feel more i wouldn't say real but just feel more like it's not just a stat block with a name yeah um i think i also the first like three or four characters i rolled were just like pure heroes like that was my mm-hmm. mindset like oh i'm the pr- protagonist obviously so mm-hmm. like you know i would pick the weakest flaw or yep. something that i was you know um probably just to kind of streamline stuff for myself my but biggest weakness is that I, I'm too strong. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like um, going in for a job interview. Um, I just work too hard. That's my problem. I, I'm too detail-oriented. But that may, that totally, now that you're saying that, it totally makes sense because I would have a hard time having like role-playing anything or doing anything except essentially like contradicting somebody. I'd be like, oh, no, I'm like the lawful good one. So I will always try to push that point or whatever and now i'm more like looking at the flaws because that's what's going to be backstory 
And like we talked about previously, I think like you don't have to have all of that necessarily worked out or exposed in the story, but it just helps you make some decisions. Yeah. And that decision-making I think is really important because flawed protagonists, flawed heroes are infinitely more interesting than, you know, cookie cutter, perfect protagonists, you know, super like vanilla Superman is probably one of my least favorite heroes just because he's, he's just like too good. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, I think that is part, I don't know if it's a problem, but I think it's definitely like an evolution of players coming to these types of games from video games because video game protagonists don't have flaws. You know, they, they are the best at whatever they're supposed to be doing. Otherwise the story would be about somebody else. Um, so like, we don't know what Mario's flaws are. We just know that he stomps Goomba heads real good. So like when you, when you're thinking of like, Ooh, I want to play D and D. So I want to basically play a video game. That's infinite. We can do anything here. And, and you see that represented, I guess, in a lot of different ways. People want to seduce barmaids. They want to rob random people. They want to steal from their teammates. Like, I, a lot of people just don't know what to do with the freedom when they're first given it, because these are things that, like, maybe you wanted to do in, in all of these video games, but but couldn't. And I think the same goes for, for character creation. Like, when you're in your Fallout character design, it doesn't ask you, like, what are your flaws? Like, it might ask you, what are your weaknesses? Like, you know, are you weak to radiation or, or whatever but it, it doesn't you don't like build a, a character normally yeah, in, yeah. In the backstory space. yeah so yeah. like we're not good at it when we start this it's 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 something that we have to work on if we want to you know some people just never either never want to and they're they're happy with that like infinite video game um or aren't exposed to even the idea of you know playing a game this type of way where we have a whole session where we don't fight anything and we just talk in a hotel room. Yeah. And which yeah. again, like uh, more often than not, those are my favorite sessions when that happens. Cause the time just flies by my question that I want to get your perspectives on is what are some ways that you can bring those flaws into your character without maybe like overselling it or with, or in a way that's not going to great or, just feel like you're trying to tug on the limelight a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you, how do you use those things to kind of portray your character in a way that's authentic to them without, you know, while while being respectful to the table? Yeah. I I think that that is, is hard. Um, Cause some of these flaws, I'm trying to find like a full list of them. And some of them are like homebrewed ones, but some of them are like very, very big and some are very small and and it can be kind of hard to internalize them i want to pull up levo's what was her flaw yeah that's a good point though like big and small i think having flaws that are more general allows you to manifest them in different ways throughout the throughout the um throughout that character's journey or their story yes normally for for really every one of the like personality traits ideals bonds and flaws i try to find more than one if i can um like if it makes sense yeah i mean because... I can think of my flaws and they are many <laughs> exactly right? just, like, one you flaw. Have just one flaw 
Uh, so Levo's flaws were, her flaw was people who can't take care of themselves get what they deserve. And like, there really wasn't a way to present that in the game. Um, so I tried to think of like other flaws, like she can't read. Uh, you know, she's she's not, like, great at, you know, just other things that, like, what would this, especially after playing a couple sessions, you, you learn the character a little more, so you yeah. can add more, like, nuance to it. Going back to when you said there's no way, there wasn't a way to maybe present this, if you were confronted with the choice, like, hey, this person needs help, would Levo make the decision on her own, like, no, I'm not going to help you, you can't take care of yourself, you don't deserve my help. The, the professor was stabbed by an imp and was like poisoned and yeah. Levo chose to help i guess it's and interesting with the paladin because like paladins are kind of meant to be helpers <laughs> i know it was i dry rolled this character so i just like randomly rolled everything so it's not i wanted to see if i like take the challenge and see if i could play to all of these yeah um, which is it's if i were to build a paladin i would not i wouldn't have it look like this at all um <laughs> And I actually like struggled I really with Levo. that. I liked it. It ended up being a fun character. It was hell on my voice. But I kind of like the idea that like she's a paladin, but not in like the English sense. You know, like she's a paladin from the swamp that from like a tribe. Like it, it, they just have like different. They just fit into like their society different than what we think of like paladins do in. You know, like kind of we'll say civilized society for like lack of a better term, but yeah. like the city societies. But I did at the end of that, like I kind of struggled with it. I'm like, he's helpless. He lost to this little imp. Like she wouldn't help him. But I, I kind of go back and forth with this. Like I don't, I don't want a character that doesn't want to play. Right. That's the other, like you don't want to back yourself into a corner. Yeah. But like, yeah. well, I do nothing because he's weak. And then you guys have to be like, but you have the, the flower that can help him and be like yeah but he's weak and like i i don't know i don't think that that's i i think that that's very hard to make fun it can yeah. be you know like convincing a character to do something can be fun but it was i don't know it, it, it it's tough so like i i will admit i did not play to that flaw almost ever because i don't know if she would have even like taken the and that's the thing like i don't know if she would have taken the thing in the first place you know right. like the <laughs> She'd be like, find the book your damn self. <laughs> like, well, I, I got other stuff to do. For me, it kind of falls into a spectrum too. Like, is like same thing with with alignment. You, know, you you might be lawful good, but within lawful good, there's nuance there too on what they may or may not do. Yeah, and making those decisions kind of gives you a little bit of flexibility as a player. But I think for me, it doesn't happen all the time. Just like you know, Eric, you said like you could you could have gone either way on that, and you went the way that would facilitate the storytelling, which I think is always a good choice as like a default, whatever is going to help move the story along. Yeah. But for me as a player, and especially, I think it's especially true for this campaign where like Tesla is probably one of the most fleshed out characters I've been able to play with. Having those things, when it's challenging to make those calls and you just do them, even though it's just like what you don't want to do as a player, they don't, those circumstances don't happen as often, but when they do, I feel like I'm really truly enjoying the game in those moments because, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, I was going to say sometimes the most fun things are when something goes wrong, and you know as a player that that probably was going to lead to you know it being wrong, but it just was like not 
it's something that your character would do. So like there, are, I I agree that like if you are chaotic, even or you're just chaotic neutral or lawful neutral, you're not going around and you just think like, okay, what's what's every law? I'm going to do the opposite. Like I'm the antithesis of the hero in that I will do every action opposite of what a hero would do. And that's not like you just have your priorities. So I I think that your your flaws, your ideals, all that stuff, it's how you prioritize what you're doing in the in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if it was, you know, if there was a character that, you know, that Levo, we were all fighting together, and there's a character that has been fighting very, very strongly and was knocked out, and then a character that's been missing constantly and just hasn't been rolling good, and then they got knocked out. Like, Levo would be like, well, I'm, like, this guy was doing good. You know, he fought an honorable fight and he was, you know, he deserves to be healed while this guy was, you know, unworthy warrior. And so I will heal him after, you know, like, so it's, yeah, yeah. it's about how you do, you know, you prioritize your actions and, and that. And I think that that's a good way to do it and where you're not forced to do something bad. Although like sometimes that is like, if it's a big decision, it's kind of fun. Like uh, if this one game I, I played, we were fighting a a demon that was like, well, we were fighting a a group of bad guys, but they had like subjugated a demon by shackling him. And the demon, of course, like promised, like, if you free me, I'll help you and all this other stuff. And I was playing somebody that, that their character would be like, I'm wanting to be famous. That's my number one job is to be famous. And to do this would lead to that. Like that was his whole priority. So he unshackled the demon. And of course, shit got real bad. And everybody yelled at me in you know in game or not not in game uh you know cross table like why did you do that I'm like i know it was a bad idea but this is something that like it was one of those times where it was impossible for my guy to to avoid that temptation that temptation was put into the game you know they designed it and most characters would be like oh obviously like the paladin would but like if that's like it was so specific to like my character to be like well i guess he would do it and it would make the game like it would anger the rest of the party, and that's and it did, and it didn't, and like it wouldn't have just angered the the you know my friends that are playing the game, but their characters would have been mad at me, and they would have I would have suffered consequences by them. They may not have helped me the next time, or or something else like that. Like like I felt that that was something that was worthy to do. I didn't want to just be like, well, I know this is the wrong thing to do, so I'm going to somehow justify doing it. Like have the decision made first, and then justify why your character would do that. It seems kind of backwards. That's, you know, that's when I think of metagaming, and it's like, okay, what do we need to do? How do I get my character to do that? Uh, when you think of your character, it's like oh, your character knows your goals, but he also has different goals, different priorities. Like, yeah. is your character's priorities, you know, fulfilling this one mission or being rich and famous? Like, what is higher priority, and which one would he place? Like his actions on that, and so. Yeah, you got to take their goals in, into account. Yeah. And with that, you know, so yeah, in so the you, moment at the table, yeah. I'm sure people were really mad. But, like, if oh, you let those yeah. stories play out, you also have a cool chance of, like, redemption arc. You know, you have a cool chance to tell even more stories. And mm-hmm. that's real character growth. Like, do you did, did your character give in tempt- into temptation or resist it? And what cool stories are they able to be told from there? Uh, I recall the time where we were venturing through the tomb of Anorak and we lost all of our equipment and that made the game a lot more challenging, but also, you know, a lot more fun because there was a lot more at risk. 
So yeah, and I, you gotta see the bigger picture sometimes too. Yeah, I I agree, and I was one of those people that was angry, not at the demon game, but at the Tomb of Horrors game, um, at Billy for losing all our stuff. Um, Trash decisions. That's what he's a paladin. You know, he thinks that he's holier than thou. I just like that's the the kind of guy that he was. He was a stuck up, you know, he was your frat boy paladin, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the thing he would charge forward always first, just charge forward because. You know, he's never really faced real adversity, so why would he think that anything would go wrong for him? Yeah, yeah. I think that that kind of thing also, you know, might depend on your table. Like, you might have been like, well, I can kind of push it a little bit because we've played together. Where if I was at like a brand new, with a brand new group, which is probably maybe a little too meta, but like, I might not unshackle the demon with new mm-hmm. people. Yeah, just to I, just to keep things more copacetic, but like we all know that we get over, you know, table it, stuff or yeah. whatever. That's a good point, like, though. Know your, and, know your audience. And the other thing with Bill is like, I know you make stuff super interesting because of that. Like you will yes. bring in the flaws, but at the same way, you don't treat alignment as a just like this monolith that has to be stuck to. You also don't do it with flaws, where you're yeah. like, I'm gonna break every law. I'm gonna, you know, it's like. And I think that totally makes sense because in the same way, when I go to make a decision, I don't necessarily be like, what are my personal ideals? I don't I, go, what are my flaws? I should react that way. That's more of kind of a gut moment. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I'm playing, I bring in the flaws. It'll just pop in my head. I don't know. It's like, oh, like there's an opportunity for like Houdini. His is like, it's not stealing if I need it more than someone else. Um, which I thought kind of fit with just, you know, roguish mystery. Um, but, you know, it's like, I don't necessarily go into every situation being like, does he need that? Should I steal it? Because people don't approach their own lives thinking of their flaws first either. It's gotta be like a to needs. And I think you do a good job of that. A, a criminal doesn't do 20 crimes a day, you know, they, yeah. they only do two crimes ever but if they're big right. enough crimes they're a criminal you know um, and some criminals are masterminds and some yeah. are um opportunists you know what i mean like i'll steal the bike if it's unchained but i don't carry around yeah. a giant pair of you know metal clippers to yeah. bust open padlocks yeah there's a lot of gradients which i think yeah. is really cool i i think so and i i, I agree with it that like your your flaw needs to be Kind of yeah, just in the back of your mind, you don't need to like compare every action, but just in the back of the mind, knowing it like uh, for when we like the last the last game with uh, uh, Tammy Rainbow, Tammy Rainbow, uh, she didn't trust the church. She had she did not trust like church and academics. She thought that they were very selfish. And that is why when she went through the gate, she was adamant that they keep it open like that was her her flaw was she did not trust them she knows that they're like even if it's not malicious they are very um laser focused on their their own you know work and their own ideals and yeah. things can get lost in the shuffle and so that's why like that little thing of uh i don't could you make sure that this you know this portal stays open i would really like it if you did like that's it like that was i think the only time in the whole game that that flaw came into effect 
That was really yeah. cool, though, because I, it put me on the spot quickly as a DM because I didn't, hadn't even thought of anybody like doing that or requesting that or not wanting to go through to do the mission. <laughs> I had been focused on other mm -hmm. stuff. So that was really interesting because like I had to like kind of figure out a way to assuage your character's, um, you know, ideals or, or perspective to make her feel comfortable enough to proceed with the story. So that was just an interesting way that your character's, you know, kind of perspective or ideals or flaws or whatever directly impacted the story and in, in the world around her. So I just think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting the way that I like to look at flaws. I want a flaw that's going to keep me from doing something and then a flaw that might make me do something. So like Billy said about his paladin, like he's brash, he rushes in. So that's something that's going to like make him do something that's going to cause an action. Um, I've had so the the pirate I played in one of the games that Chris ran he had several flaws, um, a lot not even written on his uh, sheet. Uh, but one of his flaws is that he was claustrophobic. He was born and raised on a pirate ship in you know, the ocean, in open air, and is used to cities. Um, so we never did end up going into a cave or under dark or anything like that. But if he needed to go into a tight place to like rescue somebody, he, he may not. You know, he might be too afraid to do it. So I, I wanted something that would maybe prevent him from helping and something that would drive him like those two forces like a push and a pull um and i think you know you can have all the little ones um that because like you said like no no person or no flesh out character only has one flaw um so you can have several but i i like to have kind of big ones that will push and pull and like rushing in is perfect <laughs> it's such a good character flaw because it drives action yeah, there's also like the opposite, you know, never acts first or, you know, waits until others take initiative or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, is hesitation good... is definitely, it can at least be a flaw mm -hmm. um, if that's the way that you're you're playing it. Uh, I wanted to circle back to something Bill was talking about with letting the demon loose. Yeah, you know, again, we, we play a lot together and our goal now, I feel like, is storytelling. We want to tell a collaborative story. And I guess it, it pulls into like kind of what Mark was saying. If he was at a new table, he wouldn't do that. I feel like we walk a fine line with those types of like, I'm going to ruin this moment because it's what my character would do. So we walk a fine line of like, this is going to be an awesome story also, or I'm the star and this is what I want to do regardless of how it affects like everyone else's gameplay. There's the distinction. And Yes. I know that like our motivation would never be like we play enough together that I don't think any of us are like and we play enough that we don't we don't have like the main character syndrome. But I, I feel like that's another holdover from video games. Like you're the Dovakin, you're the main guy. You can do whatever you want. And that's how you come into this story. And that's I, I think can be a very toxic way. And the action the thing is the actions can be the exact same. A lot of it is intent. But I know a lot of times, like when Bill's, like he described, like this is what my character would do, which is a phrase that I hate because it's usually used to justify like stupid actions. Um, but Bill's thought of his characters enough and like knows them well enough and knows this is going to make this story better. Yeah, ultimately, it needs like this is a game that we play for fun. 
So if I thought that my actions would make somebody have less fun or would, like, kill somebody's character, I would not do it. Like, that is, like, uh, like if I was the healer, like, if I was, you know, uh, Levo and somebody was dying, you know, you couldn't just be like, well, I'm not going to heal you. Like, the battle is over. There's no consequences of not healing or of healing. And you could just be like, well, I'm not going to heal you because you're weak. Like, that is absolutely, like... Eh. Oh, my character would do that. Like, no, they wouldn't, yeah. because there's no reason not. Like, you would do it, and then you would just lose all respect for that character. You just be like, like, and then you'd play the rest of the game, and you would just like kind of make snide comments. You know, like that is how you would, how would you would play that? So that the intent is kind of the same. Like, oh my god, this guy. I thought he was a worthy part, you know, party member, but he's really just a weakling that we have to babysit. Like that's the yeah. mentality of that character just shifted. And so, you know, because not healing and letting the characters die for no reason would not, it would ruin the game. It would ruin somebody, kill somebody's character and just ruin the atmosphere of we're a collaborative team here. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I do think that saying, oh, this is what my character would do is a very shitty thing to do. It's a super slippery slope. It is, yeah. it is a slippery slope that, like, if, <clears throat> because a lot of times, yeah, like, your paladin, if you are, like, you know, and they do it a lot for paladins. Like, oh, my paladin would do this. Oh, he sees a bad guy. Oh, he doesn't care. He's going to rush into it. And you're going to get the whole party, you know, wiped. Yeah. You know, he's just going to, you know, have to deal with his own morality of letting the bad guy either win or walk away or dealing with the bad, you know, negotiating with evil. Like, he never, he doesn't negotiate with evil. But this time he was forced to. How does that make his character happen? Yeah. You know, saying, oh, I wouldn't do it. That's interesting storytelling. That's interesting growth. Yeah. When they do the thing all the time, that's like when they always rush in. Okay, that's predictable. But when the, the time that they don't, oh, now this is interesting. Why? Tell me. Um, yeah. Speaking of how, speaking of how which, they do it. Yeah, Eric, you've got a method that you've shared before that I really like. That's really helped me. Kind of in the vein of what would my character do, or this is what my character would do. Just having, like, when you're in the character creation process, having a list of questions that, you know, in, in this circumstance, this character would do this. And kind of walking through those, even if it's just a template, gives you an idea of what your character would do in any given circumstance just by the, having some of those, having answered some of those questions. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Eric? Because I feel like that's a good tool to kind of prep yourself. So you don't even have to say, well, this is what my character would do. You kind of know because you've like had a little bit of practice in a sense. Yeah, I, I, I think practice is like the best word. So there, I actually don't know where the list is, but I made a list of like relatively common things. Like you come to a locked door. What would your character do? Like try to pick the lock, kick it in, find a way around, like what ops like how does your character react to obstacles and it it really does help flesh out on like these these things that are, are relatively you're, you're more than likely going to run into at least one of the things on this you know on this list but even if you don't run into any of them they you can extrapolate um so just like running this person this personality you've created running them through basically some like simulations on on different things like how would they react to this how would they react to that um, it, it just helps like solidify what they would do in other situations. Yeah. Cause I think with characters that I don't have, that I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about one of the biggest, I guess maybe pain points for me or friction points or things that kind of slow me down 
are when they are confronted with this situation and I kind of default to just like general player mode. What, mm-hmm. what, what is an appropriate thing as a player to do instead of, okay, what's this character doing? What are their thoughts and perspectives on this? And where are all these things that are influencing their decision-making and how would they respond? Um, so, you know, having, again, like I really love just thinking about these general flaws and ideals and personality traits that you can kind of use to apply that kind of push or pull that decision making. I think that's a fantastic way to think of it, Eric. Um, and then being able to use those as a compass to navigate the different circumstances or different situations in a way that's authentic to that character. I think for me, that's the, 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 the trick or the, the play style that I aspire to. So Mark, let's talk cool. about your character creation a little bit. Yeah, I feel like I'm still figuring it out, like what I like and don't like. Um, I definitely started off, well, actually, I, fr- I think I first started off by being like, everyone, please make characters for me. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, I definitely jumped into picking a class purely based on like what cool moves I thought I could do. Um which I think Eric kind of mentioned earlier, when you do that, it it ends up kind of limiting you much more than you realize in a bunch of other aspects. So I focus more on like trying to come up with a backstory now. I definitely like look around to see what other people have done online just to get ideas. Um, and one of my things is definitely using like all the information that I can get. So like I try to take all of my personality traits and ideals and flaws and bonds and all of that and lay that out so that I have kind of essentially like beats in a story that I can start filling in. So it's like, oh, if I'm an urchin, I'm going to pick something that might open an option for me to tell a story like for instance Houdini you know owes his survival to another urchin who taught me to live on the streets is the bond that I picked um and that just gave me something to be like okay so I'm going to change it to be like the only reason that he's ever even become a magician or has aspirations of this is because a busker was teaching him tricks when he was a kid and that was impressive and like, oh, so what street was that? And I can kind of use that as my little seed to make some kind of inspiration for myself to jump off on. Nice. What are some other ways that you like manifest those things into the game via your character? I try to like, I mean, like my character sheet, I'm constantly scrolling up and down when we're playing. Like I know what's on here. Um, but a lot of times I'll use any any decision I've made previously to inform another decision. So like, for instance, if I have a flaw in my character and I'm debating whether it's a time for that flaw to shine or not, I might be like, well, I don't know. Does this character have a lot of wisdom? Because if they do, they might be able to hold their crap together and get you know, through this interaction without you, without their flaws coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not like an official thing. I'm not like rolling in my head or anything. Um, But for me, it's just helpful to have little tiny things, whether it's story 
that I can pull off of in a conversation or even looking at my character sheet to try to help me. And I think the more I play, the more comfortable I get doing that on the fly. But I'm still definitely like checking around to be like, what can make this make sense? Yeah. And I think that's just an ongoing exercise for sure. Just trying to figure out different ways to bring those things into the game in a way that makes sense. You know, it's, it's one thing to just, you know, do it and have it, it almost feels just like overacting in a sense or over role playing. If it's every little thing is dripping with lore from your character sheet. Mm-hmm. So there's just, there's that kind of balance. Cause again, it's, it is, is Eric said it before. It's a very, and Billy too, it's a very collaborative game and experience. And yeah, we all want to contribute to it. But I think, you know, aside from that, you know, we've talked a lot about those individual characters, but then it's fun to see how the characters and party grows together as well. And the history and memories they create as a group. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the best part, I think. Um, Cause eventually if you play a character, you know, through a couple games or even sometimes one. Um, I mean, there's times when we've all been hanging out and just randomly as if we had all like actually done it. We'll be like, do you remember that game with the that dragon and that one opportunity of attack that was like just perfect, which is cool. That's like, you know, real life and gaming colliding because we all were there. And yeah. I also try to keep that in mind that I want to play the game. And when I first started, I feel like I just me as Mark wasn't playing as much as my character was because I was overdoing it. I was trying way too hard to, like you said, have everything have some sort of lore or whatever. But it's like Mark wants to have a good time. So I needed to find a way to just have some ideas that I could bounce off of without like just locking myself into, like we said before, like all the stuff of my alignment and all of that. Because if you overdo it, I, I think it can be kind of boring, honestly, because you're not doing the role playing. And as a person, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to like have some some creative differences with your character sheet or like interpret anything. Mm-hmm. We well, bring up a really good point, too, of, of just getting like, I want to get something out of it, too. Like, what are your you as the person playing these characters in these games? Like, what where do you get your fulfillment from? And I think understanding that in some way helps kind of determine and dictate what approach you take for building your character. I mean, we've talked a lot and predominantly about role-playing because that's just where we are. That's our, that's all of our preferences. I think I don't want to speak for you guys, but, uh, and the way we play, we, we tend to emphasize the characters, the story and the interactions that happen within the game more so than, you know, really difficult, challenging or tactical combat, you know, or like expansive dungeon crawls or there's there's so many styles and ways to play the game. So I think just understanding your personal preference and the preferences of the people you play the most with, Mm -hmm. uh, is helpful because then, you know, making sure everybody's getting what they need and the group is getting everything that they need just creates games that you look forward to playing. I look forward to our Sunday sessions. Like I can't wait because I, personally get everything I need out of them and everything that I want from the games. And I, I hope, you know, for you guys, the same is true. Uh, if not, we can have a conversation about that and figure out what we can do to, to make those better. But 
yeah, I think that that's a really good point to bring up, Mark. Maybe that'd be fun to talk about, like what your personal preferences are in terms of like, what do you get out of character creation or what, what do you look to achieve with your character creation that lets you have the most fun or enjoyable game experiences? I really like to pick something for my character that somehow reflects me or like my personal interests. I think that helps me draw it in a little bit better. It helps me understand them a little bit, but also it's kind of fun to have like that thing in the back of your head where, um, and again, I think this is what I was saying before, like part of the game to me is me connecting with the character. So um, anything like joint interest wise that I can bring into my character's story helps me. Part of that is like having um, the character being even loosely having something in common with me is fun because I get to be, I like to just like help out in general. So a lot of times I'll choose characters that have that going for them as well, like a healer or a support player of some sort, um, which I kind of attribute to range for some reason in when it comes to combat. Um, it's because it's smart. So yeah, I like having that um, in my character because it's something that I like in my personal life. So, you know, like I get, I feel like I get a little bit more of like a dopamine hit if I'm like a healer and I can like rush in and revive somebody who's like super badass and they can get back to the fighting. But like necessarily the fighting itself, I enjoy hacking and slashing as well. But like I killed that dog and felt a little bad about it earlier. Yeah, I think that's a good, so, that's like, a good response. <laughs> like being able to just like have that character that slightly connects to my personality, like draws me in more and also gives me an opportunity to be like, oh, what would I do in this situation? And um, yeah, it just makes it kind of fun to, to help out in like a crazy dragon fight because I'd never get that chance in my real life. Yeah. I, I'm with you 100%. I love to play support and helping classes and, and like to contribute that way. It's just, I, I don't know. And I think that's why I prefer, I, I enjoy playing as a player, but I prefer DMing because my, I feel like the role as a DM is just making sure all of the players at the table are having fun. And I just, like as a DM, you just get to constantly be doing that. Whereas a player, you know, you only get to, you only jump in at certain parts of the story. So Eric, what, uh, same, same question. What, what really sparks joy when you're with your characters in, in game? Yeah, I, so the original question was like, what do you look like when you, or what are you looking for when you build your character out? And really like when I'm building, when I'm like filling out my sheet, like I want to make a well-rounded character. I want to make a good character. I want to make sure that they can hit more often than not. And just things like that. I want to make sure they're proficient. Um, you know, I'm going to give them spells that make sense with whatever backstory I wrote or whatever type of personality. And I want to make sure they're like utility spells and damage spells and things like that. I want the sheet to be good. And mostly I want that to be good so that I can focus on like role playing. And I, part of my evolution, I used to like charisma, unless I was a paladin or a warlock, was a dump stat. Who needs it? And now, like, almost no matter what 
character I am, it's my second highest. Uh, I really like, I think the thing that I have the most fun with is interacting with the other player characters or the other non-player characters. And like talking to people, talking to, I mean, enemies, barmaids, whatever it is. Um, so I tend to, even if I don't play, you know, what you would typically think of as like the face, like a bard or paladin, I want, I don't know, I, and it might be a little like hogging the, the spotlight. And I try, I try to be aware of that when it happens, but I want to talk to people. <laughs> I want to ask questions. I want to sleuth. I want to like figure out things, um, through dialogue um and that is i have the most fun doing that so i do try to build my character around it a little bit especially just like mechanically like i'm gonna give myself again my like second or third highest stat depending on what class i am is gonna be charisma um it's part of why i really also like warlocks i guess because then i don't have to like make that choice it's just, like <laughs> nice and easy like suck yeah. um bard's also probably a good choice for you too yeah, I've actually, to be honest, not had as much fun. Like, the bard I played in Billy's character, that or in Billy's game, that we'll bring back, I really did have a lot of fun playing him. But it was, I, I think that that character, that personality could have been almost any class. Yeah. Um, I think I just, like, hit a fun personality to play with. Um, it, it made perfect sense that he was a bard, but he could have easily been, again, anything. Um so I, I don't know. I think I have a little less fun with bards and paladins than I do warlocks, but I'm also just kind of partial to the warlock for like mechanical reasons. I think they're really interesting mechanically. But yeah, the the most fun I have is is role playing and like if we can have a scene like you guys had just recently, either in the bookstore talking or in like the hotel just figuring stuff out, like using your skills and talking to each other, like I that's the most fun that I have. Yeah, no, I'm 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 the exact same way. Billy, what are your uh sort of buckets that you that you like to fill in your in your character character creation process and then like in game, you know, what are the things that really just like you really enjoy with your character? Kind of a a catch-all. It it all depends on how I'm feeling, but most of the time I I think of a I have like a just like a a spark of inspiration which is Either I think of a cool person to play, or I see a, uh, a subclass that I'm like, this could be, this could be something interesting. And so I usually find just some sort of spark, and then I I kind of have fun making the character around that spark. Um, and it, it does, it's completely random. It has. Uh, I don't try to focus on one character type over the other. Um, and then my my fun is trying to bring those characters to life. So it could be any character at all. I, the fun for me is to try to see how they would react in the, in the world. So uh, it does not really matter as long as it's a well-developed character, I'm gonna have be I'm gonna have fun playing him. And I could probably have fun playing a character that's not well-developed. Like if I got handed off a character that somebody else made that's more min-max or focus on something else, because I could 
kind of try to rework why that character would do that. But uh, I don't know. That's my fun is the it's bringing the character to life. And so uh, the actual stats and the skills like does not matter that much to me. Like uh, Mark Twain is ineffective at almost everything. Maybe talking to people, um, but he's terrible at combat. Uh, he's old. He's bad at a lot of challenges. He can talk to people, and that's basically it. But it's being effective or ineffective doesn't really even matter that much to me. Like if I was bad at everything, like that's that's a character that I've been thinking about doing is making a character that's just bad at everything, but his whole goal is to be a hero, but he is not cut out for it. And I. I've been trying to think about how I would play that guy. He has no stat over, like, he's tens all across the board. He is completely average in everything, but he has this uh, delusions of grandeur, you know. Well, everyone loves an underdog. Yeah, know? so it's just, I, I, I do not know. Uh, it's, a, it's a hard question for me, um, but I think that that just, like, this, you know, the stat blocks for me doesn't really matter. I use them as... I try to figure out what best uh, to apply at the time, but I don't know. It's well, you bring up a good I, point. I make my own fun is what, kind of what it is, and I yeah. I want to interact with the people that I'm with. So like, I've never really played with people that I didn't know that much. I you know, there's always been maybe one or two people at a table that I didn't know that well sometimes, but I've always had at least a couple people that I could, you know, that I could play with. So it would be interesting. If it was, if I was at like a brand new table of all people I've never played with, how that would work. But that would be fun. You also yeah. bring up a good point too, that sometimes, you know, you don't always take the same approach when building a character. It could just be like, oh, I'm in the shower and I just thought of this cool idea. Uh, the character for the game that you're going to run, Billy, the character that I'm making, I think for Eric just popped into my head kind of, you know, randomly when I was making different voices and practicing different characters so there's you you might not always use the same approach i just think it's kind of fun to understand you know at, at a personal level you as the player what are you looking to get out of your characters you know as you're as you're playing the game so i think we've uncovered quite a quite a quite a lot and that's really exciting because I feel like there's also a lot of things here that I didn't pay as much attention to that I want to start rolling into my characters, like spending more time fleshing out those flaws, the ideals, going through some of those questions, Eric, and maybe we can share that list too and add to that list to kind of help in that character role-playing development. So is there anything that you guys are going to take away to kind of roll into your, your next character? Yeah, I do something similar to like Billy and I think all of us do you know like if I'm if I'm trying to like sit down and like I need to make a character like Billy for the game he's gonna run wants me to make one for Chris Chris to make one for Mark and Mark to make one for me so I am sitting down and like all right I need to create a character but a lot of times I do what Billy talked about like I will just think of like ooh, this would be neat and then like flesh it out from there um, and I think about it a lot <laughs> so i have a huge long list of of ooh, this would be neat characters um and a lot of times they are just like an idea so using like mark's 
strategy of like how like what of my what do i know about myself like what personal things can i add into this character to flesh it out because like the old adage like write what you know it's kind of hard to know what you know like a pirate on the high seas of faerun like i don't know anything about that um but i know how i feel and different things about myself and what i'm interested in and what i'm afraid of and what you know what makes me angry uh so looking more inward i think and adding those types of uh character flaws and traits to uh to characters i think will be something that i i do a little more of nice mark what about you yeah i think um i liked what eric was saying about picking the way he picks classes and i feel like uh, i pick i definitely take the video game approach i realize now which is fun sometimes but i think i should explore more like classes and stuff that i wouldn't necessarily pick mm -hmm. by default just to expand my horizons a lot nice billy i may actually go for that average joe character next um because i've been meaning to do it for i just thought it'd be kind of like a funny story of somebody who's not a hero trying to be a hero and i that may be it uh i have no idea what class he'd be i don't think it matters because he's not going to be good at anything but you know, it's to like challenge myself to make that character not just interesting because he's going to be interesting from a storytelling perspective from the best, but also it is a, a game with roles, skill checks and stuff. And I don't want to just be weighing people down. So try to figure out how to make it where it's not just, oh, it's it's a two party. You know, we have two people in this party and then one just weightless meat chunk. Well, um, I, I don't know if he said tens across the board. I mean, it still doesn't get like if it was eights, it might be problematic, but even just yeah. having tens, like there's still a reasonable amount of success. I think the next yeah. time you play as a player will be you're running the next game. So it'd be for Mark's yeah. session. So maybe you, if Mark runs a Star Wars campaign, then that would be a fun setting for this average Joe Spacer or whatever the <laughs> a Jedi so hard. Yeah, something like that. He is, he considers himself a hero. That would be a fun, and to me, like that would be a fun setting because there's a ton of average people that just bumble their way through stories in the Star Wars universe. So, yeah, it's interesting. I just, yeah, I, I, I think I'm gonna think more about how, like, I sometimes I'm a very selfish character creator because I think about how it would affect me and how what I want to play. So maybe I will think about how my character can add to the general story um you know so it's a lot of times i'll just make a character and then it doesn't really matter what the what everybody else is doing i just i want to be this character because i think this guy will be fun so i think i will start thinking about how he adds into the greater you know storytelling and everybody how he interacts with other characters before i you know as i'm making him try to design him to be better interacting yeah, because I think just especially with the tight games that we're playing, there's only three of us and we're going through these little short, you know, one shots. You know, I, for me, the most fun that I've had is both seeing and and having these inter-party connections and inter-party interactions uh, as we go forward. And yeah, I, I just, for me, it always makes the game feel smoother and more fun if I get to enjoy it with the other characters and kind of try and help elevate make sure the other characters look cool and everyone can shine 
That's it for this week's episode on how to take your character creation to the next level. But we're curious what you do to keep your character creation interesting. Let us know in the comments section, and don't forget to subscribe to the channel at plus1togaming.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.